I think we're about three weeks into season either six or seven of Married at First Sight. I've missed that many. I know you have. Well done. Lucky for you, I'm here to catch you up. But mm-hmm. it's about this time every season that contestants who are starting to leave then go public about the way they were treated on the reality television show. How can you not know by now? This is my thing. And certainly across the weekend, Poppy, who is the woman who had twin boys and got really upset about the fact that she'd left her twins decided to leave and then she's come out in the press saying no that wasn't the real reason it was all manipulated by the producers and it's not fair how dare they so lucky for us you have a dear friend who completely understands what goes on behind the scenes of a reality television show we call him the mr big of television because that's his name and he was there at the invention of this evil thing called reality tv good morning mr big Good morning, Terry. How are you? It's good to see Brisbane's best bunch of broadcasters back blasting out their brekkie brilliance. <laughs> oh, oh look go. at you, Brian! <laughs> <laughs> Mate, do, do reality stars have any right to complain about how they're treated? Well, look at look apart the fact that they sign a piece of paper when they walk in the door saying the producers can do whatever they like, right? That's, that's a given thing. What idiot gets in the sentence reality with married at first sight in the same sentence? Who, which, which person puts those two things together? Always with these shows, you've got to evoke it's got to be anger, fear, happiness or sadness. Without it, the show's not going to be successful. So how do you do that? Normal people don't apply to be on these shows. If you're nice, you're bland, I can get that at home. So you have to get emotion. And it must also be promotable. So the producer's going to do what he or she must do to make it promotable. But, I mean, is there a line that can be crossed? I've heard stories of producers being given bonuses for creating the dramatic moment. There have always been rumours, one or two cases in America where there were accusations people were paid. But to be honest, Terry, you don't have to. Uh, it all starts in the casting. Every show, game show, reality show, even the news, you have to start with three characters, a good, the bad and the ugly. The good one, the person you really like and you think they're really nice people. The bad is the rich person normally who you think, oh, they're stoody attitude, I want them to get beat. And, of course, the ugly that provides most of the laughs and the jokes throughout the show. Oh, in fact, good, the bad and the ugly. Robin, Bob, <laughs> Terry. So the, the formula works. So make, what, Who's the it, ugly? It's really, hard to make, it's really hard to make heroes. You can't make likeable people. Um, most people are just blandly nice. But what you can do very easily is you can make bad guys, and it all starts in the casting. One of the things producers love to hear is when the contestant sits in front of them and says, I'm here to win. I'm not here to make friends. Everybody's ears go up and you think, yes, we have him. We got him. (laughs) Because that person, with the merest hint of a suggestion of being a bad guy, will charge off and cause everybody's life to be a misery. You don't have to pay them. You don't have to do secret deals with them. You just have to cast the right person in the right role and they'll just do what you want. Most of the bad guys are narcissists. People who want to get on television for any reason will do whatever they want. They'll use it as a springboard to a career. They often don't even realise they're bad guys until they see it on television later and they think, oh yeah, that's right, I did do that, didn't I? And that's the Um, thing because I think that a lot of the contestants are people who, I mean, absolutely get media training, believe that they're going to get out there and, and increase their social media and they do, but none of them will actually go, you know what, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to be the bad guy. I think they think that they'll come out of it okay. And very few people that apply to be on these shows have a realistic view of their own 
selves anyway. They have this view that I'm famous, everybody just needs to discover it. Mm. It has to be said though, Robin, you, you, we do have editing software that control through hundreds of hours of conversations to find the juiciest bits. Oh. And you, you can edit them together. They call it a Franken-grab in some places, but it, it's a way of putting together a whole bunch of things that you might have said over the course of two or three days into the one uh, sentence that can make you look however they want you to look. <gasps> no wonder that... Okay, that is manipulation, but as you said, they've signed their lives away. Yeah, they can't say anything about it because everything they do or say has been signed away. The, the problem you have as a producer is when you get into a show like that and you re- and the person suddenly realises, hey, I'm the bad guy here and I didn't intend to be the bad guy. I want to get out. And, and the hard thing is, is 90% of a producer's job is just stopping people from leaving when they realise just the fact that reality is not what they thought it was. Oh, but hang on a sec. What about their mental health? Of course I'm going to ask that question. But, Brian, stay with us because I need that answered. What happens to these people after they leave and they're not coping? We'll find out next. A Franken grab. Oh, yeah. middle of a reality television chat because uh, maths participants are now starting to leave. We lost another couple across the weekend and as with other years, when participants leave the experiment, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them start <laughs> to get quite vocal about the fact that they have not been treated the way that they wanted to and the latest person to do that is mother of two, Poppy, who says her crying about her kids was only half the story. Part of me just says, run home to your babies. And then part of me says, like, you're here for them. For a big payout. And a big payout comes with big ratings. And big mm-hmm. ratings come with act- actions that people are going to watch. Brian Big is our friend, the Mr Big of TV. We call him. He was there at the creation of All Things Reality many years ago with Endemol. Uh, Brian, have there ever really been repercussions in reality TV? There doesn't seem to be because they're still making them. No, because what you're having, Terry, is you're still creating drama, you're still creating tension. The editing, the casting and the editing uh, can be done in such a way that, you know, you can get the dramatic outcome you want. The thing about Married with First Sight is they've got a lot of contestants who they're not even really using. This season, I know there are some couples you don't even see from week to week. You think, where are those people? What are they doing? Now, the producers cast a number of storylines and a number of potential conflicts and dramas and may not need them all, so they sit there and don't even get used very much. So even if I have, if I have a fling with them, they won't get a mention? Sometimes they don't. It comes down to what you want to use. When when they have a wedding, with, you know, it's not what you see on television. The person may have had to walk down the aisle four times before the producer was happy with the fact that they walked down the, the aisle in a, in a nice enough way. They might have to kiss their new partner three or four times at the altar and the dates are all set up by the producers. There's nothing There's nothing real about it, any of it. The only thing you can say about reality television that makes it different to a movie or a drama or of any other sort is that you don't know how it's going to end. You cast these characters, you put them in a position where you expect them to act in a, in a certain way. You might encourage them to say certain things, but you don't know how the story's going to turn out. So you have to manipulate the story to guarantee that emotional ending. And that's the hardest thing in the world. I've got to tell you, it's sounding more and more like the Hunger Games to me. But the other thing is, and I posed this to one of the experts, John Aitken, and I said, what about these people's mental health? Like, I understand that they may, a lot of them may be narcissistic, and I understand that they think they know what they're getting themselves into. But also, at the end of the day, some people may not cope with it. And and aren't we just a heartbeat away from someone completely losing it? And then what happens? Yeah, I don't want to drag the uh, interview 
into areas that, uh, you know, mental health being mental health, a lot of these people are not stable. I think you and I, Robin, have had a discussion before. The very first series of Survivor, the one on the island, yes. the very first show was a Swedish uh, idea, and they put the people on the, on the island in Malaysia, and nobody had ever done a reality show of any sort. There was no Big Brother. There was no other reality so they have these 10 or 15 people on the island. The first person voted off in the very first ever reality show went home and jumped under a train. Oh and so we all thought, uh, yes, this genre is not going to work the same. It's not going to be as funny as we thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And we've had to put in place over the years, you have to put in place people whose job it is, is to make sure that these people are looked after, not, not only on the show, but afterwards. You'll have somebody whose job it is to ring them afterwards and maybe go out for a drink or have lunch with them and just say, how's it all going? You know, wasn't that really, you know, an, an amazing experience? You have to be careful of these people. You just, you just, even though they sign their lives away, you just can't throw them aside once you're finished with them. Uh, otherwise, how would they move on to Dancing with the Stars and then the block after that? <laughs> yeah, it's, still, it's still good, bad and the ugly, Terry, and it's still creating drama storylines all the way through it. There's, there's, that formula never changes, whether it's a, a quiz program or a game show or reality TV. Mr Big... Thank you again for making the world scarier than I thought it was. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to drag it down, but that's that, that, reality television is what it is. And do, do producers have a conscience about it or it's just, you know, this is what we're paid to do? Yeah, if you want to talk conscience, you just look at your own producers there in the studio. I mean, they, they'll, they'll kill you if you ask them to. That, that's the nature of the job. <laughs> Well, newly made mother of two, Ruth is uh, looking Just at you right you now. Just giving you the finger. She'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good to talk to you again. Thanks, oh, you Ron. too. Thanks.